0: This podcast contains our own personal views not associated with any organisation. Coronial contains descriptions of death inquests that may be graphic and disturbing to some listeners. Discretion is advised. Hi everyone and welcome back to Cronial. We're currently in the midst of a thunderstorm at the moment, so there might be some lovely background ambiance. So today we will be discussing the inquest into the death of Jesse Drabsh. So this one is quite a frustrating death. Like a lot of what we look at and a lot of the different inquests that we've looked at so far, it's definitely a set of circumstances that potentially could have been prevented. And it's a very frustrating one to read through. But I think a lot has come out of it in terms of good recommendations. So at least something positive is coming out of of this mess, I guess is the best way to say it.
1: What, what did you find most frustrating, the personal perspective or the risks that could have been
0: easily mitigated? The risks that could have been easily mitigated. You'll hear as we go on that... There was one particular circumstance that just should not have happened. Yeah. And there should have been better systems in place to prevent that. And there wasn't. So Jesse Drabsch was 31 years old at the time of his death, which occurred on the 21st of November, 2017. He was a personal trainer and he was passionate about bodybuilding and fitness. He was the son of Debbie and the brother of Aaron, Zenta and Jordan. And he was described as a shy, gentle person who was dedicated to his work. At the time of Jesse's death, he lived with his mother in their family home. He was dedicated to his own training as well as to the training of others. And his clients had a very deep affection for him. He was very well respected in the personal training world. He worked out every day at the gym and he participated in his first bodybuilding competition just weeks before he passed. The incident that led to Jesse's death primarily occurred at an Anytime Fitness franchise in Castle Hill, New South Wales. This is a 24-hour gym that's open seven days a week, so it does have large periods of time where it is operating but it's unstaffed. Mm -hmm. The case was referred to the coroner as it was unexpected and also to examine the safety systems in place at Anytime Fitness in Castle Hill at the time of Jesse's death.
2: And did he work at this gym as well as going there as a patron? He worked at a different
0: Anytime Fitness gym. Okay. But Anytime Fitness, as it's a large franchise, you can mm-hmm. attend whichever gym that you want to. As long as you've got the pass to get in, you can move around gyms. And that's what Jesse had done. Okay, So Jesse swiped in at the Anytime Fitness Castle Hill gym at 2.45 p.m. on the 16th of November, 2017. Mm-hmm. On that day, there were two staff working at the gym, one which finished at 6 p.m., and the other at 8pm. The gym was then unstaffed between 8pm on the 16th of November and 10am on the 17th of November. So a lot of what happened inside the gym to Jesse has been pieced together through CCTV footage of the gym. So it was found that he worked out for several hours at the gym, first working out in the free weights area until about 4.40pm. He then went on the cardio Stairmaster machine for about 30 minutes, and then he stretched for about five minutes and spoke on the phone with an unknown person for another five minutes. Mm -hmm. Around 5.30pm, Jesse went into the nearest bathroom, closing and locking the door. He did not appear at that time to be under any distress. Four minutes later, Jesse spoke to his mother, Debbie, from inside the bathroom. Their conversation lasted for about four minutes, and Debbie said that he sounded completely normal. Nothing out of the blue. At 5.41pm, so a few minutes later, he sent a text from inside the bathroom to an unknown recipient. This is the last time that Jesse was known to have used his phone and the last time he was known to be conscious. Oh. Debbie called Jesse about 40 minutes later at 6.22pm and then again at 10pm. He didn't respond he also had received an MMS message at 6:37 pm, but didn't respond to that either. The next morning, Jesse's mother, Debbie, had become a little bit nervous. He hadn't responded to her calls and he hadn't come home that night. So she was concerned, and she called the Castle Hill police station, trying to see if she can find Jesse. Hmm. She then went to Anytime Fitness in Dural, which is the franchise that he worked at and she sat in the car park between 6.09am and 8am, but there were no staff around that she could talk to and she couldn't see her son's car. So she called the Westmead Hospital, which was the local hospital, to see if Jesse might have been in an accident and might have been there, but he wasn't. At 10.30am, she then again attended the Anytime Fitness in Dural and asked the staff member to check when Jesse had tagged in. That staff member confirmed that Jesse had swiped into the Anytime Fitness at Castle Hill around 2:30 p.m. on the 16th of November, so the day before.
1: But she, she went to the Dural, sorry. Yeah, not she Castle went to the Jural
0: because that's where he worked. But, he'd but gone to he Castle had Hill. gone to Castle Hill. Okay, sorry. Yep. But Anytime Fitness doesn't have a swipe-out facility, so you can't tell when a person's left. So at 11:49, Debbie called the Castle Hill Police Station to report Jesse as missing. Mm -hmm. And then she phoned the Anytime Fitness in Castle Hill and asked the staff member to check their CCTV footage. Upon reviewing the footage, the staff member determined that Jesse had entered the bathroom at 5.30pm the previous day, but he had not exited the bathroom.
2: And they hadn't checked.
0: They hadn't checked. Like when they
2: started at 10am, they didn't check the whole facility. They did
0: check, but we will get to that later, um, because that's obviously something that was scrutinised by the
2: coroner. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. So the staff member knocked on the bathroom door, but there was no response. So she called the club supervisor who then called the club owner. The club owner told that staff member not to break into the bathroom, but instead to call the police and wait for them to arrive. So this staff member called the Castle Hill Police Station and at approximately 2.05 p.m., which was an entire hour after it was first realised that Jessie was still in the bathroom, Police gained entry to the bathroom and found Jesse lying on his back where he was unconscious but breathing. Oh, wow. He was frothing at the mouth. Uh, He'd been incontinent and was bleeding from his head and there was also some blood around his nose or mouth. Jesse had been at that point in time in the bathroom for over 20 hours by the time he was found, which is just...
1: I can't believe they didn't break in, but we'll, yeah. I'm sure we're going to come to that. So yeah. that's fine. I'm
0: just going to, I'm going to be patient. <laughs> hold this rage inside. And yeah, no, to it's, it. It. it's very, very frustrating. So the ambulance was called at 2.06pm, so straight after the police found him, and it arrived at 2.18pm. The paramedic recorded that Jesse had a glucose level of 1.2. The normal Ooh. range is between 4 and 8, and his Glasgow coma scale was 3, the normal being 15.
1: Do you want me to talk about what a Glasgow Coma scale is? Yeah, co- it'd be great if you is? could explain what that so is. So it's a scale up to 15, but the lowest score you can get is is three because each segment, there's three segments, the minimum score you can get is one. So he okay. is comatose but not dead. Okay.
0: Right. And a glucose level of 1.2, could you explain that a little bit?
1: Well, you said a normal level should be between four and eight, yep. and so 1.2 is dangerously low. It is a level that will have significant effects on all of your cells in your body use glucose as a energy source, so without that in your bloodstream, they're not able to utilize that. Some body tissues can use non-glucose sources for energy, but certainly the brain can only use glucose, and so without glucose, your brain has significant risks of not functioning. and Hence, you get neurological signs and symptoms that your brain is not functioning, such as Coma, or the fact that you mentioned that he had urinated and been incontinent is suggestive that he'd had a seizure potentially.
0: Yes, and, that, and that's something they talk about a little bit more. As, as I said, obviously no one saw what had happened, but there's definitely some theories from some experts that were expressed during this report. So they found Jesse, um, the paramedics, administered glucose intravenously and Jesse's blood sugar levels increased. The paramedic observed spray on the wall, which appeared to have been spat out of Jesse's mouth. And so the paramedic, as you said, Georgie, was of the opinion that he might have had a seizure and that the spray and facial trauma were consistent with Jesse falling and landing on his face. Right.
2: But he was found on his back?
0: He was found on his back.
2: Okay. But he was bleeding from his head or face, so he yes. hit himself. And... Hit his head on the way down or yeah. hit his that's, head when he fell down and rolled over. A
0: bit or something and sprayed yeah. blood onto the wall.
2: So Jesse was then flown
0: by care flight to Westmead Hospital. On the flight, he was intubated and his glucose level was recorded as 4.6, but his Glasgow Coma Scale level remained at 3. At 3.35 p.m., Jesse arrived at Westmead Hospital where he was sedated, intubated and admitted to the intensive care unit. In a progress note, which was made on the 19th of November, so two days later, it was recorded that The trends EEG and CT result at admission point to significant brain damage from which recovery to normal state will not be possible, likely cause critically low blood glucose levels, though additional contribution likely from low oxygen levels and dehydration. So on the 21st of November, which was four or five days after this happened, And after extensive medical advice, Jesse's family decided to withdraw his life support. He was pronounced deceased at 2.25pm that day. So following the discovery of Jesse in the bathroom at Anytime Fitness at Castle Hill, police conducted a search on his gym bag. In that gym bag, they located an empty blister packet of Clenbol Clenbuterol tablets which is a product said by its manufacturer to increase muscle bulk and decrease body fat. They also found an empty blister pack of Modvigil tablets and an open blister pack of T3 Max tablets, which I understand is a thyroid hormone tablet.
1: So clenbuterol, from my very brief research, is a class of drugs called a beta-2 agonist, primarily used in asthma to open up bronchial airways but also has been approved in certain areas of the world for muscle growth and fat reduction in humans because it has some similar properties to those of anabolic steroids. So not losing weight overall, but bulking up essentially.
2: Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be an over-the-counter product?
1: Uh, I don't even know if it's approved for use in Australia, so I don't even know how one would obtain it in Australia, and I guess Emma's going to touch on that. We'll
0: touch on that a little bit later.
1: Anyway, and then the other that you mentioned, uh, I'm going to go with a generic name, which is Modinafil, is another medication that's actually used primarily for sleepiness. So Ah. prescribed to people who have narcolepsy, but also Wikipedia tells me it can also be used for shift work sleep disorder, which I need. (laughs) (laughs) But again, I don't even know whether this is licensed in Australia or not. And it is a psychostimulant medication, but unclear the exact way that it works. But it's thought to increase dopamine, which increases your awakeness. In terms of its use in weight loss, I think it's about that ability for him to have then been
0: exercising and those kinds of things. Mm Mm-hmm. And being able to work out for several hours at the gym every day. Yeah, I was thinking
2: that that seems like a long time. A very long stretch of
0: time. And he'd also worked that morning as a personal trainer. So he'd been exercising all day.
1: And so the fun fact I found about Medenafil is that it is contraindicated for use concurrently with ecstasy. So if someone is abusing it and also lacks using party drugs, it can be dangerous So presumably, if you're not being Mm -hmm. prescribed this by a doctor, (laughs) um, then that can also be one of those extra risk factors. And it seems like it has a lot of... Both these meds have a lot of interactions with other medications, making them both requiring significant oversight for their use because Mm. you're going to have impacts with any other meds taken. And so even the safety of taking these together, I'm not entirely sure of. Mm -hmm. And then T3 is just a type of thyroid hormone we can make thyroid hormones synthetically to replace the natural body's function so typically t4 is prescribed for people who have low thyroid activity and your thyroid's just involved in your metabolism so if you over increase you end up increasing your general metabolism which makes you more alert more energetic metabolize your energy stores quicker which can lead to weight loss But can give you those negative effects of being hyperactive, such as fast heart rate, feeling Mm. anxious, feeling palpitations as well. So, again, it's not all pros. There are significant cons with that.
0: So, in addition to the medications that were found in Jesse's gym bag, the police also searched his car and found numerous unopened short needle insulin syringes and another empty blister pack of the T3 tablets. So... In addition to all of that that was found by the police, the family did also find a partially used Novo rapid insulin pen in Jesse's gym bag, which was oh. overlooked by the police. So it doesn't
1: look like he's taking anabolic steroids. He's taking. Clenbuterol? that acts like an anabolic steroid.
2: Interesting. Yes. And he's not diabetic. He is not diabetic. Okay.
0: On the evidence provided to the coroner, Jesse had a substantial history of performance and image-enhancing drug use in the years prior to his death, including the use of non-prescribed insulin. He had acquired or sought to acquire insulin on at least four occasions in 2016, and there are numerous occasions where he searched and reviewed information regarding the use of insulin on the internet. Did the inquest explain why insulin is helpful in performance-enhancing They don't go into the details. They just say that it is something that's generally abused by bodybuilders rather than the general gym goer. Okay. But in terms of the effects of it, no, they don't go into that. Okay. Uh, Jesse's research of insulin also happened on the date when he was last seen conscious in the gym. So on that day, he searched on his mobile phone, insulin before cardio. And accessed a variety of online forums in relation to that topic and researched that for about 10 minutes.
2: And so my thought there is he was either checking it was safe or checking to see whether it would have any effect on his body. Checking, is this going to work to help me look better?
0: And that's right. He was more so checking, is this like a good thing that I should do to bulk up? Right. And actually a lot of the forums that he looked at said mixed things about the efficacy of oh, using insulin before so cardio. so So this evidence, coupled with evidence from witnesses who stated that Jesse had, in recent months, put on a lot of muscle, the coroner concluded that Jesse had been self-administering insulin and that on the 16th of November 2017, he developed hypoglycemia and fell unconscious as a result of the self-administration of insulin. Right. The substances acquired by Jesse during this period were procured from websites which were hosted behind proxy servers, so the websites were untraceable by the police. Jesse had not disclosed to his primary doctors that he was using or considering the use of insulin. He had never been diagnosed with diabetes or prescribed insulin by a doctor. He did divulge that he was or had been taking anabolic steroids, protein supplements, iron supplements and testosterone. He did have a diagnosed history of low testosterone, possibly from past steroid use, um, and had been taking illicit testosterone supplements for years. On multiple occasions, Jesse was advised by his doctors against the use of the supplements he was taking. They said things to him like this was destroying his life and could cause life-threatening complications, but Jesse was not willing to stop.
1: Uh, So I did some research, so using insulin increases, your glycogen stores and reduces mm-hmm. the catabolism of your muscle when you're exerting yourself. And so it allows you to essentially bulk, bulk up still. faster. And the way that bodybuilders do it is something called a hyperinsulinemic clamp where you're having glucose and insulin simultaneously whilst exercising to, again,
2: increase your muscle bulk. Right it just seems inherently dangerous
0: it does it does and like you also just increase your muscle bulk by exercising
2: yeah it just More takes longer
0: but it also just seems that you take one drug to try and bulk up and then take steroids and it has an impact mm. on your testosterone yeah which also will have an impact on how you bulk up so then you have to start taking testosterone and now his liver functions are impaired he's got elevated liver enzymes because of the use so now he's having to do things to counteract that and it just seems like it's you know a vicious cycle of you take one thing to do something and then you have mm. to take another to, to stop the side effects yep. from the previous one, and then it goes on and on and on, and it's causing quite a lot of damage to your body.
1: And it's escalating, and it's because it's unchecked, right? That's like, right. If, yeah, if someone were monitoring his use, maybe there'd be options. Not that I'm advocating for, for illicit substance use or performance mm. on enhancing drugs, but you know, it's because he wasn't able to disclose that he was using them.
0: That's right. Because
1: yeah. he knew that it was.
0: It was not good for him, and yeah, it wasn't legal. And you yeah. can't
2: check the actual effects on it. Yeah. You're just taking it, assuming that this is what's going to happen, but you have no idea how your body is actually reacting to it. Yeah, until That's exactly right. And, it, and how to do it safely. Because he's he's googling. You know, there might
1: be some general idea of how to do it mm. safely, but it's not necessarily going to be the absolute mm-hmm. best answer for him.
0: Yeah. And in the coroner's report, they found some notes on his phone that stepped through some of the different drugs that he was taking. And it seems like he'd got a regimen from a bodybuilder who would previously won an Australian title. Right. So it's obviously notes and, and different concoctions that have been passed down. Hang on, but body... he won an Australian title. Like if you're doing a bodybuilder Australian title, aren't you meant to get drug I tested? Thought...
2: Yeah, I thought they were drug tested. I'm not sure. Oh, that's yeah, but like evidently so
0: concerning it's it's, yeah. a, it's an issue in the industry, of course. Absolutely. Wow. Anyway, sorry. No, it's all very interesting. So an expert, Professor Carter, was engaged to provide an opinion as to the likely cause of Jesse's hypoglycemia and initial loss of consciousness. In his expert opinion, there were numerous potential causes, although the most likely cause was the result of the administration of insulin. And he noted that the injected dose of insulin must have been quite large. Mm. He suspects that Jesse had seizures secondary to the hypoglycemia, which may have exacerbated hypoxia to the brain, resulting in features of hypoxic encephalopathy that were found on brain imaging at mm. the scans of the hospital. It was his opinion that the prolonged hypoglycemia would result in radiological features similar to those described. It was of his opinion that Jesse injected insulin after he finished exercising at Anytime Fitness, as the onset of Novorapid insulin is sometime between 10 and 30 minutes after the injection, it is possible that the hypoglycemia developed within 10 to 15 minutes and that Jesse lost consciousness as early as 30 minutes after he had injected himself. Wow. Interesting though because had he gone out and
1: come back in?
0: No, he'd locked himself in the bathroom.
1: So where was the needle? Because I didn't think they found
2: a needle with
0: him. That's a good point. I'm not sure if his gym bag was with him. Oh, but his gym bag had needles. The right. gym bag had the needle in it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I assume he had his gym bag with him.
0: I thought all the needles were in the car, though.
2: No, so the Novo Rapid
0: needle was in his gym bag. The unopened other needles were in, in the car. car. Oh, that's right, and the police overlooks the Novo Rapid. Okay, yes, cool. in his yeah. gym bag. So the forensic pathologist who performed the autopsy agreed that the self inflicted injection of insulin initiated a chain of events which eventually led to hypoxic brain injury and death. In this inquest, the coroner sought to understand the prevalence of performance and image-enhancing drugs, drug use in New South Wales and in gyms more generally, but noted that this is very difficult to gauge as there's not a lot of reliable data Mm. on the subject because it's not something that's openly talked about. The coroner noted that there was no evidence that the use of these drugs was any more prevalent in any time fitness gyms than it was in other gyms around Mm. the country or other fitness chains. There was an expert, Dr Yu, that was briefed by the court to give uh, expert opinion regarding performance enhancing drug use in Australia. Dr Yu suggested that there is limited data on the subject, but the existing data shows that between 2 and 3% of high school age students have or do use performance enhancing drugs. What? which is scary to think about.
2: Where are they that getting is, it from if they're high school age? Well, I guess well,
0: what is being included in those? Exactly, because it can just be like pre-workout and then that end of the scale through to this illicit substance, substance yeah. abuse, which is on the higher mm. end. But it's not uncommon for you to hear, you know, teenagers using pre-workout.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: Where's that line of cut exactly. off? And he's yep. obviously got to the illicit end. Yes, of it. he's
2: a bit more of yeah. the extreme end.
0: Yes, that's right.
2: The most common type
0: of performance-enhancing drugs are synthetic testosterone or other synthetic hormones that mimic the molecular structure of testosterone. Interesting. Mm. These drugs are mainly used by males, which range from ages, teenagers, through to people in their 60s. So the main demographic of performance-enhancing drug users are men between the ages of 20 and 30, but it doesn't discriminate in terms Mm. of professions and backgrounds. The majority of people using performance-enhancing drugs are not doing it for competition purposes but more so doing it to make gains at the gym, either increasing their strength or altering their appearance in some way. So it's not really to do with, you know, sports or being mm. better on the sports field. It's simply just a, an aesthetic thing. Mm. That's sad. It is really. It's hard to sort of wrap my mind around it, to be honest. It,
1: there's such a gym culture at the moment that you've got to go mm. to the gym, you got to be looking buff but not not to the point where you're putting your body at risk. Yeah. yeah, not so much that you need to be taking illicit substances to do so. But, mm. you know, clearly that does have an impact on people such yeah, as Jesse where that is so significantly important. And I guess that is his livelihood. He was, yeah. he
0: was a trainer. Yeah, he was
1: a trainer. So he needs to look the part to be a trainer. Exactly. But and also,
2: like, he'd be surrounded by those sorts of people. He'd be surrounded by people who are at the gym all the time who therefore yeah. look a certain way.
1: And if he's getting tired by the end of the day, then he's Mm. not going to keep up with the other trainers. So he's got to find
0: something that's going to keep him energetic all day. Yep. Well, that's exactly right. So Dr. Yu stated there was no accepted best practice for management by medical practitioners of patients who use or were suspected of using performance enhancing Mm. drugs. So Dr. Yu in 2020 co-authored a publication for GP guidance on the subject. Amazing. Awesome. Which is fantastic. But there's no specific training in relation to insulin use in this context. So there is a stigma, particularly around non-prescribed insulin use. So that often presents a challenge for GPs in trying to engage with these issues with their patients.
2: Yeah, and that's obviously relying on the fact that their patients are telling them the truth about the drugs that they're taking, which isn't necessarily going to happen.
0: No, especially when you're getting to this end of Mm. drug abuse. And there was some discussion in the coroner's report about how it's not necessarily evident by looking at a person whether they are using performance-enhancing drugs. Like, we often have this mental image of what it would look like, you know, these big steroid users Mm. who are looking super muscular, but that's not always the case. And Dr. Yu did that generally people who use performance-enhancing drugs express an intention to continue using it, no matter what the risks are.
2: Right, so even if they were told about the risks and this is what might happen, they're still perfectly willing to... Yeah, those risks. they
0: often are just like, I, I still want to use it. And that was the case with Jesse.
2: Because yeah. I guess the side effects
0: for
1: him, it's yeah, not really exactly. affecting his day-to-day life yeah. from what it seems.
2: That's he's still exactly working. Right. He's still going to the gym. He's still yeah he's living his normal life. Exactly right. Until he's not.
1: And um, it absolutely seems like he made a mistake in calculation. Like yes. he overdosed himself on insulin. It doesn't sound at all intentional. No.
0: And if that was the finding that it yeah. was not intentional. But it was Dr. Yu's opinion that the most effective way of preventing or even just educating people about the use of performance-enhancing drugs would be to disseminate the information more widely mm. in gyms and in the communities where yeah. it's happening, because that's just not being done. It's very covert. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't
1: think I've ever seen any kind of information in a gym no. about performance-enhancing
0: drugs and their, their safety risks, which... Absolutely should be up on the walls. Exactly. And so that was one of the recommendations that came out of this report. So, I mean, I go to the gym quite regularly. I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye out Mm. to see if that information does start filtering through. So, of course, this coroner's report went into that aspect of the actual use of performance enhancing drugs, but it also scrutinized the different bathroom check procedures. As in there were none? Wait, wait, <laughs> I've forgotten all
1: about that. Oh, my the God, we need to come it. back to that he and He was say, in there
2: for essentially 24 hours. They knew
1: he was in there because he'd never left, and yet yep. they still refused to break in despite there
0: being no response. Like, I I and cannot understand
1: the reasoning behind that. Yeah, I mean,
0: the court just said the reasoning behind it was not a good one, but basically the owner of the gym told the staff member not to break in And he said that because apparently the two staff members that were on that day were quite young. They were 20 and 19 years old. And he wanted to protect them from seeing that kind of condition in which the court just said, look, your staff are trained in first aid. yeah, And you need to be employing staff who are capable of dealing with those situations. So, you know, that's not an excuse you erred in your judgment. It was the incorrect decision that you made because you lost another hour.
1: They were still there and employed at the time that Jesse ultimately was found. So they're still yes. going to be traumatized by that event, mm. either
2: way. Exactly. It's probably well, going to thought... make them feel worse. The yeah. What kind of trauma they are they going through? The hour?
1: fact that they left a human being mm. for an hour versus having been in there
0: to call an ambulance quicker. and done yeah. it more proactively, or even just calling an ambulance on the spot, like, yeah, yeah. not just calling the police and then adding that extra hour on to call the ambulance because they knew yeah. something was wrong. He wasn't answering. Yeah. They knew yeah, he was they in the knew bathroom. He was in there, yeah. And
2: that he wasn't answering. The door was locked. It's never going to be a good thing. And it not doesn't... sitting in there by yourself, not answering the No, exactly. The,
1: door and... the hour that was lost doesn't seem like it was going to make an ultimate change to this outcome. But the fact that someone would say, no, don't help someone in mm. need because you're young They work in a gym and they're over the age of 18. Exactly right. They've taken on that responsibility as an employee to have a duty of care to those who enter the gym, whether it's the unconscious guy on the floor in the bathroom or the other guy that's, you know, slipped with a heavy weight and Mm. snapped his arm in
0: half.
2: That's exactly right. That's going to be just as traumatising. Exactly. And even just the fact that they, when they started at 10, knowing it's a 24-hour gym, they didn't check the bathrooms. They did check the bathrooms. So at the time
0: of his death, Anytime any time Fitness Castle Hill didn't have a system in place for recording which bathrooms had been checked and cleaned by staff what? or external cleaners. And staff were not given training on what to do in the event that a bathroom door was locked and they could not get access. But I think of particular concern to the coroner was that there were no procedures in place for checking the bathrooms at the end of staffed hours each shift. Oh, of course,
2: because someone finished at 8 p.m. Someone finished at 8
0: p.m. He was in the bathroom at that time, oh. unconscious.
2: But no one checked, and someone finished at six p.m. as well, and he yes. was also in the bathroom. That, at that would have point. been
0: around maybe around he would have the been time. Around
2: the time, but yes, but also less
1: necessary to yeah, dictate that everyone there. has to check every time they leave. It'd just be like at the end of a shift or yeah. a shift.
2: Yeah. significant change over time. Because that, that may have made a difference. Exactly, yeah. he may and have you think about
0: obviously this is a particular circumstance that happened to him, but. There are other circumstances where yeah. you, there's safety risks that are posed with an unstaffed facility. Yeah, you could slip and fall. You can slip and fall. Someone could break in and attack someone who's not meant to be in yeah. there. There's a lot
2: of safety risks. Have a risk. heart attack? How many like times? Any do you, sort you just of feel episode? dehydrated
0: and lightheaded if you
1: overdo it at the gym? It's exactly. Just like you actually just pass out.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. You're staring at me like maybe I'm the only one that's felt that. Way no, at gym, I definitely no, know. I definitely have <laughs> when I
0: overexert myself at the gym. I yeah. get off the treadmill and I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah i it. it and then you
1: might like want to go sit, or you might want to go splash your face if you've exactly. made your way to the bathroom, and that's where you pass out. Or...
2: Yeah, you'd hope someone is going to notice that. You hope, hope someone would hope that. find you. Someone check. That said, there
0: were some procedures in place to protect the safety of patrons using the bathroom, including there were emergency buttons in oh, yeah. the bathroom which were regularly audited. There were security devices available that you could grab from the front counter for patrons, particularly at nighttime. There were also clearly labelled emergency buttons in the foyer of the gym. That's not very helpful to Jessie's case, no but there were emergency buttons in the bathroom stalls. There are also cleaners that would come into the gym each night and clean the gym. So on this date, on the 16th of November 2017, the cleaners tagged in at 10.39pm. Uh-huh. CCTV footage shows the cleaners cleaning and mopping the bathroom area where Jesse was. Each cleaner on separate occasions knocked on the bathroom stall door and listened for a response,
2: but they ultimately took no action. Okay, but you're cleaning a bathroom. One of the doors is locked. It can only be locked from the inside. Mm-hmm. So obviously there is someone, someone in, there. in there. But they also didn't even contact like
1: the manager yeah, or the owner say, oh, or yeah. anyone. They no, just
0: accepted. All they did was stand back. And this is all from the CCTV footage, yeah. by the way. All they did was stand back and take a photo of the locked door to show that the reason they didn't clean it was because the door was locked.
2: And were these bathroom stalls, were they a full length door? Yes. There was no way you could actually
0: see if anyone was in there, but yeah. only lockable from the inside. Yeah.
2: So I feel like that's an issue as well, the fact that you can't just look under. Or that there
1: isn't a key for access. Like if there's no yeah. one responding, they should
2: they should, they have, should a key. have a key for
1: access and you just you let yourself in and that's part of knowing that you're in a gym that has a public toilet. Yeah, and like respond, the worst case
2: scenario is you open the door in. on someone while they're on yeah. the toilet and they'll yeah. be a bit annoyed.
0: Yeah, but like if you didn't respond, well, that's on you. Yeah. That's exactly right. And there was a way that staff could open the door from the outside. The staff were just not trained in that. Wow. Which is a big lapse. Very oddly enough, the cleaners that were working that night, they were not actually informed about Jesse's death until two years after it had occurred. So that meant their recollections of that particular night, which to them was any other night. Yeah. Um, they couldn't remember what had happened and so they weren't able to provide any useful information to the inquest. Wow.
2: And they also couldn't change their processes. If they didn't know that's what had happened, yeah, exactly they would right. just continue, they continue doing that. Doing that
0: exactly
1: right Holy Shit! wow wow okay were they was their comments about their emotions related to this
0: well of course it's a little bit different when you're you're two years out from from a situation but of yeah. course they were upset by it yeah and they didn't realize that it happened they didn't realize that, that night 16th of november was no different than any other night for them cleaning yeah. the yeah. bathroom. so they just have no recollection of the exact processes they took, which is why all of this has had to be pieced together from the CCTV footage. Wow. That's yes. incredibly upsetting for them. It's extremely upsetting for everyone. Everyone involved. Thunder's getting loud. It's the background. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of thunder, a little bit of lightning. In case you're unaware where we're recording
1: from. <laughs> <laughs> the flood
0: capital of the country. <laughs> So Anytime Fitness in Castle Hill employed a daily checklist for staff to undertake each day, which included checking the bathrooms at least five times throughout the day. But this is more focused on, you know, wiping down the sink and checking the toilet paper levels right. and the soap levels. And there were no logs kept to show when these bathroom checks were performed. So in the staff hours on the night that Jesse was in the bathroom, so he remember he was there from 5.30 p.m. and the last staff member's shift ended at 8 p.m., so there was one bathroom check done at 7.45 before mm-hmm. she left, but she'd obviously just seen the door was locked, thought someone was in there.
2: Right, just and did just a like, visual check. Yeah, like exactly. there's no one obviously She just collapsed. did a visual check,
0: made sure yeah. that the bathroom was clean. Right. Saw someone might have been in the bathroom stall but didn't take any action. Then on the morning, the next morning on the 17th of November, shift started from 10 a.m. There was a bathroom check that occurred at 10.45am. Again, same thing, oh, someone's just in the bathroom. The next bathroom check was done at 1.09pm, which at that point the staff member had already reviewed the CCTV footage and had right. determined that Jesse was still in the bathroom. Something poignant pointed out in the inquest was that during the 20 hours that Jesse was in the bathroom, at least someone, a gym member or staff member, walked past the bathroom where Jessie was lying Somewhere in the region of 600 times.
2: Wow. So there were... Right, other people. Other people just walking
0: around by the bathroom stall 600 times. But also, so this is a relatively busy gym. It's a relatively Mm. busy gym. Lots of people going to the bathrooms. So the concept
1: of that one stall door being shut... For the entire time. For the entire time is...
2: You would think that you would notice. I guess as a patron, you're going in the bathroom to get changed maybe. You leave. It's not unusual for someone to be in the stall the whole time and then you leave the bathroom and you assume that person also did so when you go back in to say get changed again and it's still closed you think "Well, someone else must be in in there
0: there especially if
2: it's a busy gym yeah people coming and going that's right no one's keeping tabs on anyone else
1: but 600 times
2: wow in 20
1: hours it's just hard to fathom it's just hard to fathom. Especially that, because those it, 20
2: hours, part of that was the middle of the night.
1: Yeah, I was kind of imagining that, like, it was pretty
2: quiet.
1: No one really yeah. noticed that he was not
2: there. And again,
1: okay, well, when it's really busy, also same concept that you might mm-hmm. not notice that he's not
0: there. But That's exactly right. But just to think that
2: that many people were walking by while this yeah. man was
0: lying unconscious on the floor. Yeah. Which, and if no the, one knew.
2: if the stalls didn't have a complete door... Exactly. They would have noticed. Someone would have noticed that someone was lying on the floor. on the
1: floor. Yeah. Exactly. But I guess was it was a bathroom that maybe had a
0: shower in it or something. Yeah, it yeah. had different okay. change rooms and different yeah. things. So it yeah. had, like, I think, like six different cubicles yeah. in it between toilets and showers. And I'm not sure if it was in a toilet or a or change
2: a room, but it was yeah. a similar,
0: similar sort of thing there. Full closed door for privacy.
2: Yeah, know. which makes some um, sense. Yeah, but Again, at the same time... most
1: people to
0: pass out in the bathroom. No well, but hard. it is
2: entirely possible.
0: Yeah. It is and and it's something I was sort of thinking about because you often do see those gaps. Yeah. Underneath yeah. The, the bathroom floor out uh, the toilet cubicle doors and it makes sense. Yeah. Now as to why they're there, there was some commentary about you know the compl- there's different obviously compliance standards about this and and meeting safety standards. It was something like if if you could lie on the floor and see up and see like the bottom of the, to- the like the top of the toilet like it's potentially not compliant with the Uh, privacy privacy. standards but the coroner did sort of say well I think that a three centimetre just a little
2: gap gap at the bottom is
0: enough and she commented that I think that the risk there or the benefits far outweigh the risks in those circumstances to have a three centimetre gap at the the bottom of the door privacy be damned if someone's going to lie on the floor and look up it's a bit I of think a you'll probably
2: notice them if you're <laughs> exactly. conscious you'll see someone's head poking through the bottom of the door exactly but the reality the, head.
0: the reality in this circumstance if if that gap was there
2: yes they could have visually could have checked him. yeah even if the owner said don't open the door they could have still looked and been like okay what no, is actually, we actually we in there no actually the ambulance yeah. now.
1: presumably if they'd
0: seen him they weren't calling the owner they would
2: have well yes true
0: So I think one of the key questions in this one that the coroner asked was, could Jesse's death have been prevented? And in Professor Carter's opinion, he said that if Jesse had been discovered and given IV glucose within three to six hours of his injection with insulin, it is likely that irreversible brain damage could have been prevented.
2: So if that staff member at the end of their shift had checked? Yes. Yes.
0: Again, you can't blame that one staff member. Oh, no, but no, if those no, checks no, had no, been yes. different,
1: then that APM person might have identified within yeah. enough time to
2: get him help. Yep,
0: That's correct. And that was something that the coroner made very clear, like mm. was not apportioning blame to the staff members.
2: But more the process. That it was, was more in the process the that was
0: in place. And I should know that there was some criticism from other parties about accepting this opinion of Professor Carter's mainly because there's little literature to support that exact timing of three to six hours. Mm. Um, However, the coroner accepted Professor Carter's opinion in any event and noted that, of course, the longer a person is left with hypoglycemia, the more likely they are to develop irreversible brain damage. So if he had been found earlier, obviously Mm -hmm. the prognosis would have been better. So (laughs) there are a number of recommendations that were made out of this case. First of all, to Anytime Fitness Australia, the recommendation was they needed to implement a stricter policy for bathroom checks on a regular basis at all existing or future Anytime Fitness gyms in Australia and to train all staff in that policy. This should include circumstances where a bathroom door is locked and the occupant is non-responsive or requires medical attention and unlocking the bathroom door from the outside. So knowing how to do that. It also recommended that Anytime Fitness undertake immediate costing regarding technology, that measures or could assist with detecting an incapacitated person inside a bathroom hmm. so whatever technology that might be i'm not sure it sounds a little bit creepy I it have does to say. a if little bit yeah. i'm like uh, if i
1: just sit still really long in the bathroom does that mean that someone's going to burst in because yeah. they're like you're unconscious
2: which i, would I mean hope they'd knock first and <laughs> well, <laughs> see if right. you respond true true that's right
0: fair and also recommended that Anytime Fitness improves the design of its bathroom doors to provide visibility of potential collapse inside the bathroom while maintaining privacy, which could include a narrow gap between the door mm. and the bottom of the door and the floor. So these
1: recommendations are very focused on Anytime Fitness, but are they being distributed to the broader gyms of Australia? Like, So this is more Anytime Fitness. What's to say you don't go to Good Life and have the yeah. same problem or Snap or Jets? I don't want to identify any specific gym here. i would just like
2: any 24-hour Our gym, gym
1: mm-hmm. isn't there going to be the exact same risk if they're not doing those policies? And if any time weren't, then there's a high risk that many of the others haven't realised the, the yeah. risks involved of not specifying those checks. But That anyway. is very
0: true, but obviously these failings were more in relation to any time yeah, fitness. fitness. They didn't analyse the different procedures and policies in place in other gyms. Yes, it could have been broadened just more generally, yeah. maybe to other gyms, but no, this is definitely focused on, on any time fitness. So another recommendation was that Anytime Fitness, consider liaising with the New South Wales Ministry of Health and other relevant stakeholders, with a view to considering the actual or suspected use of performance and image enhancing drugs by those who attend Anytime Fitness gyms. Also considering what measures could be introduced by Anytime Fitness to improve the awareness of health risks associated with using performance enhancing drugs, and any harm reduction strategies that could be introduced to members about those substance abusers. They also made recommendations to the New South Wales Minister of Health to give immediate consideration to additional steps that can be taken to educate GPs regarding the identification, management and treatment of individuals who use or are suspected of using performance-enhancing drugs. Also to consider the preparation and distribution of online fact sheets regarding the health risks of using non-prescribed drugs as well as liaising with relevant stakeholders with a view to considering the nature and prevalence of this kind of drug use, any additional educated materials that might be of benefit and other harm reduction measures or initiatives that they could put in place. Also a very interesting one, they asked the New South Wales Minister of Health to consider whether there are certain search engine optimization strategies that could be used to make mm. sure the better, more educated material appears yep.
2: first. Not just forum posts. Not just
0: forum posts. Mm. The coroner did note that there are no simple solutions to the danger of unregulated performance-enhancing drug use, but hoped that the recommendations she made at least prompted a more open discussion within the fitness industry about the prevalence and risk of using performance-enhancing
1: drugs. Yeah, ideally they would talk in in a negative light about them, that they're not necessary and, Mm. you know, that they come with significant harms, but I'm not sure they're going to convince 100% of people. And it sounds like this was a fairly small population of people from any studies as you said, it's hard to gauge because mm-hmm. it's not discussed. But mm. It doesn't sound like it was a huge prevalence of people, no. thankfully.
0: But it does It does seem to be a very covert thing, thing. that goes on. Yeah. So it may be bigger than we think it is. Yep. It's just not something that's openly discussed in gyms. And, and hopefully by putting, you know, disseminating more information in gyms, putting up posters, talking about the risks and things, maybe it will... Help at least start those discussions mm. and start people opening up a little bit about more about what they're doing and what they're doing to their bodies and the risks and things. So hopefully, just getting that more out there and into the minds of people will help. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, two interesting aspects to this case. The first being the use of the performance enhancing drugs, and the second being the processes, or the lack of processes yeah. of any time Australia in checking adequately checking their facilities. So I think you said before about another case, a Swiss cheese model, things just had to line up Mm. for this to happen and and some very frustrating lapses in judgment, which occurred, which ultimately resulted in Jesse's very tragic death. And his family provided evidence in this coroner's report and it was very evident that he was a very loved person Mm. and very missed. So a very, very sad and tragic loss for his family
1: and they had tried to educate him on, on on eating these medicines
0: as well hey that's right and he'd been to like there was a list of you know 10 or 12 doctors visits that he'd made different doctors each mm. time but each of them had counseled him on the risks he, he'd been somewhat forthcoming about what he'd been doing not to the full extent in terms of the insulin mm. use and each time they counseled him on the dangers and how risky his behavior was but he was just didn't not stop. willing to stop, unfortunately.
1: Very sad.
0: So, that is a look into the inquest into the death of Jesse Drabsch.
1: So incredibly frustrating. Yeah.
0: That was very insightful.
1: Performance enhancing drugs uh, is not something I know anything about mm, because it's never really something I've even thought about being that prevalent in the community in Australia, but you know clearly it is and clearly it's something that needs addressing and Mm. I agree with you you know, definitely want to see signs up in gyms Mm -hmm. and stuff like that to try and encourage people to speak up to try and at least increase the safety of it if you're Mm. not going to stop let people help you be as safe as you possibly can
0: that's exactly Mm -hmm. right talk to your GP be transparent about what you're doing and they can you know, point you in the right direction in terms of drug interactions and safety Yeah. when you're using.
2: And even if it's a one percent of people who go to that gym who are using any kind of performance enhancing drug, that's still worth having signs up. Absolutely. To ho- help that one percent, if that's well, what the proportion is.
1: Six hundred people walk past that bathroom with Jessie. So if it's only one percent, there's still six mm. people that walked by that were you know had performance enhancing drugs or used or mm. considered using.
0: That's right. And there was some discussion in this report about the prevalence, as I said, very hard to gauge. Mm. The The owner of this particular franchise said it just doesn't happen in our gyms. Very, very rarely does it happen. And his rationale for that was because often this substance abuse happens in bodybuilders who lift heavy weights. And, in, you know, fitness centres like Anytime Fitness, they cap their weights at like 60 kilos was saying? Well, oh, right. why would bodybuilders who are lifting hundreds of kilos go to a gym where you can only lift sixty kilos? The coroner threw that out and said that was that was not <laughs> an yeah, indication like, of of people not using performance enhancing yeah. drugs in these gyms.
2: Saying that someone isn't using it, you can't see people at twenty four seven. No, that's exactly right. Like, they could be doing it while no one's none of the staff also, are there.
1: Also, it's hilarious that he said that when someone died in yeah. his gym from performance-enhancing drugs. Who
0: he told his staff member not to break into the bathroom and assist.
2: I know. Look, yeah, that's like, very problematic.
0: I would take his his evidence. He can't very deny kindly. that there were performance-enhancing drugs in his yeah, gym. Because there was proof. There was exactly proof. And there was another witness that provided evidence who was a friend of Jesse's and he said that he, he used. And he also said, he, to his estimation, he thought that it was more like 60% of gym goers wow. use some sort of performance enhancing right. drug, again, including things like pre-workout.
2: Yeah. And that's obviously the people that they know. Yeah, I was going to say, he's who, probably got a know, biased sort of circle. as well yeah. if
0: he's using them. That, but still. Yeah. Exactly. So his is probably on the higher scale. But you yep. think about it, the amount of people I know who go to a gym and use pre-workout, use those shakes before they go to a gym, it's yeah. so common. Yeah not to the extent of self injecting Mm. insulin, but it obviously does happen. And uh, Jesse's friend said that he was to that level and that he had a couple of other mates that worked out of the gym that were at that level as well. So maybe not as uncommon as we think it is.
1: All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks Mm. very much. See everyone next time. All right, bye. 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 Bye.